Welcome to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number four. It's Tuesday, September 22nd. I'm your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm your flight attendant, Mike McKenna. And this is a podcast where we talk about energy, politics, and whatever else we feel like talking about. Lasagna. We've been talking about the election, starting uh, the show out with election updates. You've talked in the past about how you're waiting for that moment between now and the election. I I surmise that the passing of Justice Ginsburg uh, was that moment for this campaign. Yeah. Um, in every campaign, right? In every campaign, there's there's a an event um, that is not foreseen that encapsulates or crystallizes or um, otherwise captures some sort of thematic, right? Um, and this is probably one of those moments, right? Joe Biden has run a, a brilliant campaign, right? A say nothing, do nothing, surrogate say nothing, do nothing, um, and wait for the president to keep talking, right? So it, it plays to um it protects Mr. Biden from his from his weaknesses, right, which is his fragility. And it it um it encourages Mr. Trump's weaknesses, which are of course uh an inability to um let the other fellow um light himself on fire. Yeah, I wanna I wanna talk about that a little bit. Um He's he's so and I want to introduce the concept of a lid. Yeah, a lid. I want to introduce that to our listeners, okay. our two listeners. Yeah. I, so um, a lid is when a campaign or an organization announces yeah, any, that any, the, any organization X person is not going to be made available for the rest of the day. Right. It's essentially an acknowledgement. We're done making news for the day. Yes. Yeah. And then the Biden guys have been calling lids at like 830 in the morning. Yeah. Well, let me give which, you some numbers, which, which is eight days so far in the month of September. They've called the lid before noon. <laughs> this morning's lid was at 922 a.m. And on Saturday, the day after the passing of Justice Ginsburg, the lid was called at 830 in the morning. Yeah, I saw that. I so saw that. I, I do want to talk about because you're calling this brilliance. Yeah. And and I, I'm starting to see that a little bit. But what we see when we see all these lids and we see all these gaffes is Hyden Biden. Right now, you know, is it grand strategery or is it just out of necessity? Uh, we don't really know because we don't hang out with uh, the millennial children running around running his campaign. But I, I, it might be a little bit of both. I would. Oh, I would it's, it's 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 a strategy, right? It and I'll tell you, I tell you how you know, because first off, nobody in America cares about lids, um, except for the, the geeks who do press stuff for a living, right? Um, interestingly enough. I think the White House gave up calling a lid on on the president like like years ago. They only do it on the weekends now when he's golfing, right? They just don't do it during the day because you never can tell. Guy can make news eleven thirty at night. Um, so uh, it's a strategy because it it has been adhered to across nine months, uh, seven months now, right? Since March, since he since he put the Democrats away, um, these guys have had lots of abilities to let him talk. And have resisted every single time. It is a plan. It is a strategy. Like I said, designed to protect him from his weakness, no doubt. Um, a necessity. They could have easily constructed setups where he went out and made a speech or two and sat down. Um, or where he put out a video and sat down. He's done none of that. He, well, he did. They did a little bit of that. Yeah. I, you know, they've done one or two of those. I was going to say. attempted to, to be clever on social media. It, with his VP, with his vet and, and, vetting process, which was, you know, actually that video, if we can 
uh, we'll put it in the, the show notes because if you watch that video, you're like scared that he actually will back out of the garage and smash into the garage wall, right? So it it you know he it has been even the public events have been non-public, right? They've been attended by 14 people who stand 27 feet apart and have to get deloused before and after meeting the candidate, right? So, um, yeah, this is a conscious strategy, and you have to think about it from the place you're coming from, right? It would be one thing if they were monks who were used to long periods of silence. These guys are in politics. Biden guys, they're used to talking all the time, yeah. and the surrogates are used to talking all the time. So the idea you're going to just look at them and say, I need you to shut up for eight months is – just impossible for most of us. It's certainly impossible for you and me. Absolutely. That's why we're doing this podcast. Right, exactly. So we've had a lot of pent up <laughs> yeah. pent up desire to yak. I, I mean the say no, the say nothing, do nothing campaign. Brilliant. Coming to an end, right? Because the Yeah, style it. Let's swing it back to the Yeah, skirts. the guys on the left side of the Democratic Party are now angry. Um, because they, they, can you hold that for a moment? I don't want to, I don't want you to lose your brilliance, but I want to give you an example of that anger. Let this moment radicalize you. Let this moment really put everything into stark focus because this election has always been about the fight of and for our lives. Okay. Yeah. First of all, I don't think that there's been a a lack of radicalization taking place up till now. That's one thing I'll say. The second thing I'll say on this clip is this is a, a stark example of the difference in the makeup, the orientation of the base for each each party, or let's say conservatives and liberals as opposed to the parties, because the lines are blurred there these days. Everything for them is about power. And that epitomizes that construct. What struck me is, is that to 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 where we're going, right? About about anger and fear, right? That there's a lot of anger and fear in that whole that whole conversation, right? That whole little clip there, um, and it's emblematic of what's gone on here in the last couple of days, right? That everyone's angry that the president is going to nominate somebody. Everyone's angry that um, the Senate's going to confirm them. Everyone's angry that. Justice Ginsburg died, um, even though she made it to 87 and had pancreatic cancer. Um, so, And they're afraid, right, because they understand that now John Roberts isn't going to be able to hide. He's not going to be a swingy vote anymore, right? He's going to be that sixth vote because he's going to want to write the um, – he's going to want to write the opinions or hand the pen to whoever is going to write the opinions. So all of a sudden, you know, this is not just a – is not a one-vote swing. It's a two-vote swing. Yes, um, this really does put John it, it, John Roberts it, and, in the hot seat. Yeah, absolutely good. Uh, yeah, you know, it, and good because it has been shockingly disappointing. Uh, he's been terrible. Now. He's been terrible. Bottom line is Republicans always pick terrible justices. They always do. They just do. And they often pick more of them. Yeah, they notice that they, the trend they, is Republicans have gotten more picks. If I was a Democrat, I wouldn't worry about this next pick at all. I'd figure ah, this person is just as likely to be every bit as terrible as. Uh, as John Paul Stevens or the guy Souter, um, yeah, you know, you can be every bit as terrible as those guys. Um, so, so, but the thing, the thing is, is that if you if you played that clip and asked Joe Biden about it, you know what he would say? He would say this campaign is not about that. This campaign is about 
you know, resetting our course on normal and all that other stuff, you know, Biden wants to get away from that because he knows that conversation that AOC wants to have is a bad one for him. Right. But, you know, the other thing that struck me was I was flipping through the Twitters and, you know, Schumer is obviously hopping mad and, and he's really angry right now at Cocaine Mitch. He had a press conference and basically said we yeah. and, and pointed to this person, yeah. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah. We are together on this. When in your lifetime did you think that the party would come to that, where Schumer has to lock arms with, with this individual um, in order to prove, to show yeah, <laughs> democratic well, unity? Two things strike me about it, right? One is that Ed Markey beat uh, whichever Kennedy he beat, Patrick, Joe, Jimmy, I don't know, one of those guys, um, is he beat Kennedy, right, in the primary in Massachusetts because he stapled himself to AOC. Right. So she's already made herself uh, uh, some pretty good bones there. And that's why Schumer you know, wants to make sure he stays close to her because he doesn't want to get beat. Right. Um, the second thing is we underestimate her pretty significantly. She's the de facto leader of the Democratic Party. Um, you know, you, you look at her and you think she's a child. But the truth of the matter is, is that first thing out, she beat Jeff Bezos in New York City. Right. And 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 didn't beat him on some obscure thing. He was bringing jobs and development to the city, and she just torched him. And it wasn't even a fair fight, right? By the time he realized it was a fight, he was on the canvas, and the, the, the rep was counting eight, nine, ten. Next thing up, she beats a Kennedy. Never been done in a Democratic primary before in Massachusetts. She's not even from Massachusetts. You can see where AOC looks at the world like, I've beaten the richest guy in the world. I've and beaten I've, the Kennedy dynasty. And I've beaten the Kennedy I, dynasty. I, totally did. I have never and, underestimated her. And why should I I've listen? I've always felt like well, we I mean, spent too not... much time talking about her because oh, it yeah. builds her up even more. I, I but think... it doesn't really matter because what she embodies and she 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 accompanies She's the it. organization of the of the, yeah, you know, the, the the infrastructure is organizing around her. Exactly. And you know, the thing is, is that if you're her, you think about it, if you're her, you're looking at Nancy Pelosi. And you're looking at Chuck Schumer, and you're thinking, I just wiped out Jeff Bezos. I wiped out a Kennedy. What have you guys done? Absolutely. You stood. You basically you took your couple of clubhouse politicians, you know. And the only thing that keeps her from doing it on Joe Biden is she's got no other option. That's right. So, and you know, my guess is she's not going to be able to resist. She's going to do some of that to Joe Biden in the next two weeks. So Biden needs to come. The lid needs to be lifted. He needs to make some comments. He's already said he's not naming anybody. He's been hounded for a list. He says, I don't have to make that decision unless I get elected. Yeah, I agree so with he, that. So he's holding back on that. I, I wouldn't either if I was him again. Because no, there's no choice that's a good say, choice. Say nothing, that's do right. nothing, right? right? So what does he need to do and say between now and then for this not to, to swing yeah. away from him? Yeah, you know, he's already made a big mistake, right? Yesterday, he, yesterday after... After previously saying he was against packing the court, yesterday he refused to, he equivocated on it, right? He refused to say he wasn't. I was just like, okay, we saw this in fracking, right? Where he's now on all sides of the fracking discussion. He's been in favor of it and opposed to it and in favor of it and against it on federal lands and in favor of it on federal lands. He's managed to be everywhere. He's going to get the same place on this packing thing. It's going to be the same place on statehood for these, you know, six, eight, ten territories, whatever they finally decide. That's the worst possible answer. You know, if if the president can make this about Mr. Biden for 10 seconds, 
you know, he can drill in on him and say, which yeah. is it? What do you think? What do you actually believe? And that, to my mind, is, you know, he's been given an opportunity here. Whether he takes it, it's totally up to him. He being Trump? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the picks because it's clear that it's being narrowed down. Uh, the, the chatter is it's going to be Amy Coney Barrett, ACB, or <laughs> Barbara, I'm going to pronounce this hopefully right, Lagoa. I think that's right. So does it matter which one? Uh, I have a I have a, a preference for Barrett. She's younger. Um, she's got a better articulated judicial philosophy. And she's been through the ringer once in the United States Senate. You know, Lagoa, Lagoa. Everyone's like, ah, she got an 80-15 vote in the Senate. Of course she got an 80-15 vote in the Senate. She's a Cuban. It's a free pass. She, you know, there's no free passes being given out this time. Well, I also think that for all the reasons you articulated, um, I have a preference towards uh, Barrett as well. But I will say there is one disqualifying factor for her, and that is her alma mater, Notre Dame. I just, I, I'm having trouble over Rally sons of Notre Dame. <laughs> so, all right. So he's going to make a pick by the week, by Friday-ish? Saturday. Saturday? Yeah. Um, it's going to be likely one of these two. Could no be doubt. a curveball. No doubt. Then then we go from that to McConnell's going to hold some hearings, probably, or at least do the interviews, start the process. It's going to be clear that a vote won't take place before the election. Oh, I don't think that's right. Really? I don't think that's right. Um, I think the way it's going to happen is we're going to have a week of hearings somewhere, the second week of October, and then we're going to have a week on the floor, and then we're going to vote. Because it's going to be before the election. Absolutely. Um, And I'll tell you why. McConnell votes. Senator McConnell votes, calls the vote when he has the votes. Yes, of course. And he has the votes. votes. He has the votes. We're done. I mean, we're done. The Romney thing is clear. The Romney thing. The Romney thing closes. Right. Yeah, we're done. So he's going to call that vote as soon as he can. He's going to have, like I said, he's going to have to have a week hearings and he's going to have to have a week on the floor. Everybody gets to yell at each other. I would be very impressed if that happened. So there's pluses and minuses to that, obviously. The the pluses are we'd have a a solid... You want to get it done. You you don't want anybody time to have... Give anybody time to wiggle around, right? There are theories going around, though, that this sort of becomes the... The vote, the the issue that that solidifies the Senate and keeps the Senate in, in Republican hands. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Uh, Joe Biden's first reaction when he asked got asked about this, he goes, "Yeah, this is really important for healthcare and the coronavirus, right?" His first instinct was to stay on message. His first instinct was to stay on message. Chuck Schumer's first instinct was to get off message to start talking about this. This helps Tom Tillis. This helps Steve Daines. Yeah, I want to go through the list. Okay, oh. so. My my first is Alabama, Jones and Tommy. Tim. That race is done. Tommy's going to win. This will this will salute. This yeah, will yeah that's done. Yeah, Jones already voted against Kavanaugh. It, yeah, I mean it's just, you know Doug 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 Jones is in the event of a Biden win. Doug Jones is going to be the Undersecretary of Agriculture for for small dumpy people. <laughs> so uh, I got Tillis, Ernst, and Danes like absolutely helps and probably makes these no races. doubt, no doubt, puts distance. Between yeah, the could, two. Teresa Greenfield and I was going to have a hell of a time answering questions about packing of the court. Steve Bullock's going to have the same kind of problem, and there's no good answer for him. If they say yes, then they look like what they are, right? If they say no, 
Well, then they look like stooges of the Republicans, right? It's just no good answer. Yeah, there's all this theory about galvanizing both sides and, and basically getting turnout up in both sides and maybe even voter enthusiasm for the Democrats goes up because Trump's always had a slight edge on Trump enthusiasm. But these are states that are red states. Yeah. These are conservative, quote unquote, meaning yeah. uh, states. And so this overall helps the Republicans in the fall, no matter I, what. I agree. In two of these states, in two of these states, Iowa and North Carolina, Republicans, and I just, you know, I spent 10 days in North Carolina. Right? The Republicans in North Carolina, is Tom Tillis a good guy? Yeah. Are they excited about voting for Tom Tillis? No. They're excited about voting for Dan Forrest. They're excited about voting for Donald Trump. They're not excited about That's voting right. for Tom Tillis. You know, if Tom, keep in mind, Tom sits on judiciary. Yeah. So does Joni. And she's got the same story, right? She's got a state that's, yeah, it's okay. You know, in the next two weeks, now's their moment to get up yeah, and be absolutely. stars. And this is this goes back to uh, when we were, this goes all the way back to the Kavanaugh. Fight. Yeah, man. Okay, so this guy gets nominated with a whimper. Um, I don't know what, who it was made the, it the was, decision. It was the least remarkable appointment uh, nomination in history yeah. of the world. You're just like, yeah, it's next like, next guy up, right? Need to help a bushy? I don't know what it was. I don't get it. It was kind of a meh for me. But when the other side did what they did, they turned us all into, they radicalized us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, we became these huge Kavanaugh fans, right? Yeah. Because of the way they treated them. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, and I, and, and in, in, like I said, in Montana, it's going to expose Governor Bullock as, as not, um, not quite with everybody. You know, the, the Kavanaugh thing, I mean, the reason why he was the nominee back to clubhouse politicians was because he um, he shot pool with the um, the White House counsel. Uh, uh, with uh, Doug McGinn? Yeah, with Doug McGinn, right? They're all part, Doug, not no, Doug, Don, Don McGinn, Don right? McGinn. Not Doug McGinn, Don McGinn. Um, you know, they're Shout all- to our friend Doug. Yeah, they were all part of the, they're all part of that same Georgetown prep, you know, Yeah, ma- I mean, look, on our issues, I think, by and large, on the energy space, the regulatory space, Chevron deference and all that, probably decent, you know, but I wasn't shouting at the mountaintop. And then all of a sudden, they just, they, 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 they just, <laughs> so, they did more to like crystallize this was, conversation. It was a weird battle to pick, right? Absolutely. The other guy who's helped here, you know, again, Lindsey Graham in yeah. South Carolina, yeah. right? That race is close. Yeah. He's, he's going to get a chance. Running judiciary now, he's going to get a chance to, you know. So those three are really a good yeah, shape. I, I didn't have Lindsay on the list because I thought he'd eke it out. I think this hurts Collins. Probably. She already hurt herself by Probably. saying she didn't want to vote. She didn't say she wasn't was going to vote. No, she just said she doesn't want a vote. Yeah. That does not help her because she's not going to pick anybody up in Maine. Yeah, because that's right. of that. That's right. It's it's not a good. I didn't think it was a good play for her. I think I have been pleasantly surprised with her much more than oh, Murkowski. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Which, she look, has been uh, she's uh, been a true sort of legislator uh, in these battles in a tough state. Yeah, and I hate to see her go, but I think this. I think she dealt her 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 death blow. In yeah, I, I I hope you're wrong, but I think you're right. And you know she, and I, I've said this about two other people, right? And and I'll say it about her. Um, and I and got some criticism from the two other people when when um, 
When Norm Coleman lost, right, to Al Franken, or rather when Al Franken borrowed that election, he didn't really steal it, he just kind of borrowed it, um, I said we were going to miss Norm Coleman because he had never he had never not taken a hard vote, right? He, he was one of those guys. You know, was he, was he always kind of... There was another one like that too. I, you know, was he always was he always a little bit you know happy with the feet? Yeah, but he was always ready to take a tough vote. Susan Collins is always ready to take a tough vote. It's taken a bunch of them, and we're really going to miss her. And the other guy used to say it about that everyone throws rocks at me about is John Boehner, right? When they when they when the Freedom Caucus ran John Boehner out, I was like, we're going to miss that guy. And here we are, and we miss John Boehner. Nah, I'm not sure I miss John Boehner, but I'm, I'm from the DeLay alumni crew, so that's, that might be where we disagree. The other one who I think this hurts is Gardner. Yeah, I think... Um, he gets some votes in the Western Slope and the I, rural I, areas, I, but I think Denver and Boulder are going to... The enthusiasm... I think that... that level is going to go up. I think that announcement, from, that announcement from Senator Gardner is almost an announcement that he... Um, understands the situation he's in, right? And throwing his dice the other way wouldn't have done anything for him. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have done anything. It, it, you know, and it's sad because he's probably the best senator Colorado's had in the last 20 years, and he's probably going to be the last good senator Colorado has for 20 more. It's really, you know, it. it, it, it he's not done on the stage, right? I, I could see him throwing his hat in, um, running for president. I think he's 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 that kind of skill level. Oh, wow. That's quite a compliment. Yeah. I, I do think if he was free of the constraints of Colorado politics, yeah. he would be a, a much more impressive uh, Yeah, there's two, a much he, more impressive record. Yeah, he's one of two guys like that, right? Will Hurd in Texas 23, right? Will Hurd's the other guy who um, doesn't really have a, a, you know, a place to go in Texas, but could easily wind up somebody's vice presidential person. Easily, right? So the last one I have on my list is McSally. And this helps... But it's not gonna it's not gonna close the gap for her. I no. Mean, she needed a like a Hail Mary kind of situation to at least give her give her some opportunity. And she has, to use a phrase, pounced on on the situation. She's come out already very aggressively. Uh, I it's she's just not gonna make up that ground. No. Uh, you know, it you know, this is twice that she's running Arizona twice she's lost. They they probably made a mistake in reappointing her, but I understand the bench there was thin. Um, you know, a nice person, a good senator. Um, she's run into two really good candidates, um, first Cinema and now Kelly. But you probably shouldn't start your political career as a United States senator. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right, and I think that. Um the it, the good news there though is I, and I don't you and I aren't on the same page on this I don't think it's going to be before the election I think it's a lame duck vote I really do I just think that it's that, not going to be a lame duck vote it's not going to be a lame duck vote I'm just telling, right I'm just telling you right now just telling you right now this is hope you're right this is top I dollar you're right this is top dollar lobbying advice which by the way it, top most dollar. people pay for that's right this is top dollar i'm giving you for free i'm giving for free and i'm telling you this is how it's going to happen you're welcome okay well we will we will have the opportunity to see if that's yeah, I, you know true i mean i don't know what i'm doing here i mean i've only been deputy director you know <laughs> off legislative affairs in the white house i don't i do hope you're right i do i do think that it should happen but i do think that it's likely to slip over but the good news is if if she and, and Gardner and others are lame ducks, then they there's no reason why they can't 
you know, vote their conscience on this. Yeah. The, the famous, you know, now you see the true measure of a politician after they're no longer facing the voters. Yeah, I, I see. I, I'm confident that, that the vote for both of those people wouldn't be any different. All right. So um, overall, this this definitely helps this the Republicans with their effort to try to keep the majority. Mm-hmm. Which takes off the you know court packing garbage and every you know yeah. and all that yeah and, and that's the legislative filibuster doesn't go away any of that I think the legislative I think the chances of the filibuster going away are even if the Democrats have fifty two votes is it it's iffy yeah you, it's, you're you're asking a bunch of senators to give up some really premium leverage really good leverage why would they do it and give it to Schumer. And right. give it right, and, and, and you know he, none of these people coming in will have a have any loyalty to Schumer whatsoever. Correct. He's on his way out the door. So, but yeah, so. I mean, it, it would be you know if the Republicans can hang on, it's it's a I dispositive think thing. Court packing is also let me, a very high hurdle. Let me throw one other thing in there. Don't be amazed if there's some very serious consideration about one of the senators switching parties. Mm, right? Intrigue. Yeah, you we'll, know we'll discuss that one on our next episode. Yeah, we'll save it for the viewers. Um, okay, so. Overall, does this affect the Trump-Biden race in a meaningful way? I think it affects the Senate races in a meaningful way, but you're still pretty... Although I want to talk about your column, because I, I sensed a little wiggle room in your column, your, not your most recent one, but a more recent one, Yeah. about the Electoral College yeah. and the state-by-state polls versus the national polls, which are really the only ones that matter anyway, is the EC. That's right. So. We have 50... Well, we have 50 state elections, right? Yeah, I don't know. You know, the, the truth of the matter is, is that it, it gives the opportunity, it, this gives the opportunity for Biden to make a mistake that the president can pounce on, right? Biden's made no mistakes so far. He's made no mistakes. And like I said, the strategy has been brilliant, well thought out, well executed. It's possibly he makes a mistake. It's possibly he doesn't. We'll know here in the next 10 days or so, right? That's going to be the advantage for the Biden guys of an accelerated timetable is, it's going to clear the. It's going to clear it in and out of. It's going to clear it in and out of the hearings pretty quick. And the hearings are going to be the the thing where something's going to change, right? Where somebody's going to. I can imagine somebody's going to catch Biden and say, "Well, you know, the nominee said us, thus and such. What do you think?" And that's where he has the potential for disaster, right? So. Well, you know, the other thing is interesting is uh, his his running mate or or her. Running mate, I'm not sure. Which. The Harris administration, the Harris administration featuring, like featuring, Biden. featuring president. It's like a, it's like a rap thing, man. Yeah. It's like she's on the committee. She, you and I chatted about this the other day over text. You say she's going to campaign, not not go sit in the hearings. Yeah, I don't see what sitting in the hearings get her right. She either is going to make news, which is bad. It's contrary to their strategy, or she's going to do nothing, which is. Good with their strategy, but is going to cause everybody in the media to say, why are you just sitting there like a bump? Yeah. No, I mean, I'm sure she'll show up. She'll ask two questions and that'll be that, yeah. right? Because um, she doesn't have to make her bones anymore with the left, right? They're counting on her to be the to be the crazy the one. The Bureau, right, to be the crazy one be, in this crowd. It's going to be a coalition government. They're yeah. counting on her to be the leftward party in the coalition government. On the other hand, She's one of the few Democrats with prosecutorial experience, right? That's really valuable in cross-examining a witness. So I'm sure. Yeah. Well, and also it's going to be really – it's going to be harder for the anti-Catholic bias to creep into the Democrats' questioning if it's Barrett. Well, I assume – I don't know about Lagoa, Lagoa, 
I assume being a Cuban from Florida, she too is a Roman. Obviously, I'm not running these confirmations, unfortunately. But were I, I would definitely have both of them bring a rosary into the room. Um, you know, just like Joe Biden has his rosary That's floating right. around. Right. And, right. Is, and, is, and is careful to make sure that he shows it every once in a while so people know that he knows what a rosary is. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. So let's let's do our weekly or our, our episode prediction. Last week you held at 30%. 35. Ooh, it moved up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, maybe it's 30. Still a safe, it's still a safe comfortable uh, it's Biden's still prediction lose. it's Biden's still so. lose. you know you you look at you know last time the LA Times USC track I think we were talking about this last time was the best was the was the closest to accurate all the way along right it's had Biden at plus 10 for about two weeks now now I don't think he's plus 10 but he's got himself a comfortable margin and like I said inside all these states all these states that are going to be essential to whoever's going to win Pennsylvania Wisconsin Minnesota uh, Arizona, Florida, right? With the exception of Florida, Biden has got himself a um, a lead, has, has had a pretty consistent and durable lead at or beyond the margin of error now for a while. It, yeah, it, I, I do. Um, I, I diverge with you a little bit more. I'm more in the 40-ish percent range. Yeah. And I think that the the fact of the matter is, is, is as you pointed out in your Washington Times column, that he has wiggle room. He had what did he get last time? Three hundred and six. He's got wiggle room. He, he does. can lose states he won last time and still get the get the the number he needs to get over the top. Yeah. The problem with that is is that Arizona right is trending away and Senator McSally's not helping him right. Um, you know he he's got to win Pennsylvania. He's he's down in Pennsylvania. Yeah, right? So Pennsylvania to me has been yeah, if he doesn't win Pennsylvania, he's done. Enchilada. Yeah, I mean, it is the single most important state in this cycle. And I think that's what the column said too, right? That whoever wins Pennsylvania is going to have a much easier pathway to finishing the game out, right? Yes, we'll be putting uh, that great column as well as your more recent column praising Senator Pompeo. I mean, Secretary of State Pompeo, in the show notes. That's good. I'm I'm glad because. Secretary Pompeo was actually the architect of all that stuff in the Middle East and, you know, deserves to be recognized as such. The, um, you know, back to Pennsylvania, you know, the numbers all tell you that, that it's, it's real competitive and that Biden has a small advantage. I just, I'm having a lot of trouble imagining that he's just going to sweep Pennsylvania. I, I think that's going to be really close and it's going to take a week to call. And which makes the Supreme Court nomination yeah. that much more important yeah. you've got a 4-4 then you know it ultimately goes up to him as as florida uh, as the florida recount it, it showed that they're going to be in if these any of these state races are contested it's going to go to to the supreme court yeah you know like funny thing is i don't even worry about that so much what i worry about is this that a place like pennsylvania which has a decrepit and creaky system right um, that we wind up with actual house races that aren't called in time, because right? you know what settles a contested election is votes of the House delegation in each state. Right now, there's 26 Republican, 26 states are are House delegations are dominated by Republicans, 23 are dominated by Democrats. One's a tie. Pennsylvania's the tie. Mm -hmm. I could easily imagine a world in which Pennsylvania doesn't report at all. We're just like, what the hell? Yeah. 
I mean, you know, and the Democrats are already foreshadowing some of this as well, sort of hanging on to. And it, uh, you know, and Pennsylvania's got you know, not to harp on Pennsylvania, but Pennsylvania's got a legislature in which the Republicans are majorities in both bodies, and a Democratic governor. You know, that's that's a cocktail for disaster. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Just, just a cock. And the fact that the fact that the Pennsylvania legislators want to come in and fix some of the problems with their electoral system, and the governor doesn't want them to, that should concern everybody. Well, and and because this is theoretically a show about energy policy as well um, in Pennsylvania. I thought this was a show about lasagna. Well, we'll get to that. Because in Pennsylvania, what's happening is the governor wants the state to join this regional greenhouse gas initiative, Reggie. The state legislature there sent a bill to him saying you cannot do this without a vote in the legislature. He vetoed that and one of his commissions just voted to put Pennsylvania in Reggie. So um, there's not there's very little regard for the taking a vote to the people uh, with respect to that issue. I mean, the Democrats should probably enjoy Pennsylvania while they have it, because as as Philadelphia empties out a population, they're going to have a lot of trouble holding on to it. You know, and the other thing that struck me about Pennsylvania, and it, it wasn't directly related to Pennsylvania, but eh, it it's directly applicable to Pennsylvania. You know, the uh, Michelle. Obama and President Obama, all of their public statements are all about getting out to vote. They are not about how great Joe Biden is. You know, the fact that you are sitting here five weeks out and talking about getting out to vote is ridiculous. If everybody was as energized as as they claim to be, you wouldn't have to say it. That's right. You know, nobody nobody has to tell the Trump guys get out and vote. It's guys are rabid. Or, you know. Yeah, and the funny thing is, when in the last cycle around, we were talking about the question of whether or not the people at the rallies are going to register and vote. Yeah, that was always the question, and they overproduced in that regard. Not they, yeah, the Trump campaign, but they, the Trump supporters themselves. Yeah, and and you know, I mean, like I said, Democratic strength in in Pennsylvania is Philadelphia, and I love that city, but it is. Um, depopulating, right? It's 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 on a Detroit level trajectory. In twenty years, it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna go from when it what it was was you know was the fourth largest city in the country when I went to school there. It's gonna wind up being the eighth or the tenth or the eleventh. It's gonna be some number like that in twenty years. Yeah, and meanwhile, the, the other areas of the state are getting wealthier. Yeah, why? Because of what fracking, because of the energy production going on in those areas, um, and they value that more, and they still yeah. have more of a blue-collar yeah. you know, sort I, of mentality. I get the feeling they're taking the same ride that their neighbor t- has taken over the last 20 years. Ohio, for those of you who are too young to remember it, used to be what Pennsylvania is. It used to be a swing state upon which Republicans and Democrats uh, fixated. I think in 20 years we come back, Pennsylvania is going to be reliable. Yeah, and I mean, this state. really does sort of point to, and, and we are just not talking about energy this week. Sorry, folks. But we have talked about this shift in the way that the the, the states are moving, right? Um, these this whole area is is slowly, gradually moving into the red column. Yeah, and it it you know it's it's for a variety of reasons, but it's probably in our lifetime not going to be it's not going to come back. Well, and it's also I think uh, it shows that the Republican if we've talked about this also that who's going to be after trump can they 
can they speak to this these these blocks of voters who the Democrats generally said were the ones that they cared about, but the Democrats are increasingly the party of Silicon Valley and New York City. Yeah, the tech you know the the tech um, bias is sort of yeah. taking over in corporate America. Yeah. So you know the the parties are flipping in terms of they who are. they represent. Yeah. Who who the caricatures of sort of they're in the pockets of, um, and and the real question way past Trump is, who is going to carry that mantle in a way that can also, you know, kind of keep the conservative suburban folks, you know, in line as well. Yeah, I don't know how to say this the right way. Um, speaking as a conservative white college educated suburbanite. But who cares um, about those people? Um, you know, they're, they're, it, it, a lot of what's wrong with the country is 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 the indifference of the the, the white suburbanites, not the conservative white suburbanites, but the white suburbanites towards towards their their countrymen, right? Yeah, they lead. They, I mean, they, they, they are they are between the rural the, the coasts. They basically. are perfectly comfortable buying stuff from China. They do not want to hear about human rights or national security implications, and they don't care. That factories have closed down. They just don't care, right. right? So, you know, the parties are undergoing a transmogrification, right? The Republicans are going to become the party of the working class, and and I'm perfectly comfortable yeah, with that. And, I, and I welcome it. And and, and you as know, a child of the working as class. a child of the working class, I welcome it as well. So, um, you know, and and it's it's going to mean that over time the Republicans are going to become more Hispanic, more Catholic, um, you know, I mean, you, you just think about us, right? And I've had this conversation in rooms over the years here in town, right? You know, I'm Irish, you're Sicilian. The 100 years ago, neither one of us would be Republicans. 50 years ago, neither uh, one yes. of us would be Republicans. My whole family, down, right? down to the end of the and, line, we're all right. in the wool my, my father was the first one in the family to break, right? My my grandfather was a union organizer. Um, so I go I, back to visit my mom and I'm just like, I'm I'm a squish now yeah, compared to her. Yeah. She's been, and she's she's been, been radicalized. Right. She's been right? radicalized, right? And that's and so that's a really exciting thing. Yeah. And, and, and it doesn't it's long, it's a long time coming. It is. It's, it's tremendously exciting. And you know, when it when it when we get the next torchbearer, whoever it is, they're going to have to live, even whatever, whatever their personal preferences, they're going to have to live with this. You know, Trump has changed the party. The people have changed the party. You know, this is coming for a while. He's been a catalyst. You know, and that's why I say in a lot of respects, almost doesn't matter who wins this thing because, you know, the, these changes can't be unseen. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the, and the, 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 know, the, the level of anger towards Trump is masking the frustration yeah. That the party is having with this transition yeah. because they can't talk to their constituencies the way that they used yeah. to. Uh, you know, it, there was an article, I think it was in New York Post, I don't know, this morning about how the union guys were all voting for Trump despite the fact that union leadership didn't want him to. Right. And I thought, well, whose problem is that really? Yeah, is yeah. is that the rank and file right. problem? Or is that, I mean, if you're, are you really leadership if you're not, nobody's following you? And the answer is, of course, no. And, you know, it, it's um, it's going to be just a hell of an interesting 20 years in here. It really yeah. is going to be mean, exciting. Hopefully I'm, I live through it and maybe don't retire. And, and on the other end of it, we, we you know, are still doing this podcast. Retire. Hell, it's just getting good. Back in my day. <laughs> All right. So um, six games are left. 
The Yankees clinched a playoff <laughs> spot by beating up on two very bad teams, one of which could potentially give minor league teams a run for their money. I have to say that I am wildly underwhelmed by COVID twenty twenty season. I just you don't like I the season. Can't get into it. It's already over. It, before it even started. Um, I know I'm old school, but like all these ridiculous sort of, you know, additions and experiments uh, I'm not thrilled with. The, the runner on second and the overtime, seven, seven inning double headers. I get it, um, but I'm not happy about I'm not enjoying baseball this year. I, I think that it comes down to you got to have fans in the seats. I think you got to have fans in the seats too, but I, I'm a little less harsh. I like it. I mean, I'm glad that I'm glad they're playing baseball. I don't understand why football guys can have fans in the seats and baseball can't. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, you know, so I mean, you did whatever there were eight thousand in Notre Dame, right? Okay, so you know, it's one tenth of the capacity. Great. Let's let's have. 6,000, 7,000 people in the stands at baseball games. Yeah. Let's face it, it's about how many you get Miami anyhow. So Yeah, well, they have more time. You know, football have more time to sort of... Yeah, no, I get it. I don't, I don't blame anybody for it. But, yeah. but having seen it now, they should open the door, yeah. right? I mean, it's crazy not to open the door. So that that's one. I have no problem with... I actually like the... the um, I'm a little older than you, so I remember when they actually played real doubleheaders, and they were great. They were great, but they were a lot. Two games of seven innings each, that's fun. That's just a lot of fun. I like those. I like the shortened doubleheaders. I think that's fun. It's great. That's going to stick. The guy on second to so start. So you think there'll be more doubleheaders so they have more days off? Yeah, I think but so. But still get the full 163, uh, uh, yeah, 162. I think so. And and then? I hope so because I think, you know, you, you, there is when I was growing up, I mean, you know, Back in on six, you know, back in the day when I was growing up watching, you know, DiMaggio and and Garrick play. Um, Come on, you must have been like five. Yeah, let's the, not get, the, let's um, not get too crazy. I'm not that much younger. Than the you. uh, when I when I when I when I grew up, you know, going to the old stadium, right? Um, used to go to doubleheaders, and and it was awesome. You just set up for the day, and you'd be done. I even so, had, so these doubleheaders will be one ticket, two games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It won't be like no, they'll be traditional the doubleheaders. And the where other everyone thing, everyone has to leave, and then everyone comes back. And the other thing they used but, to have, you know, I, I'll actually give a little on. Well, this. let me if the they, other if thing. If they add that to it and reduce the number of interleague games, sure, that'd be a good. The other thing, thing they did that I used to love that, that they don't do anymore, but they might if they only were playing fourteen innings. They had twinight doubleheaders where they'd start the first game at five, and then the second game right after that, right. Okay, you could do that now. And you think about it. That's built for guys like us, right? We're going to just roll out of work a little early, a little early, go watch 14 innings of baseball, head home around 9, 9.30 at night. Hey, home, honey. Yeah, Hi. Yeah. This, the guy on second base, I don't know. I, I'm hoping – I'm with you on the fans. I'm hoping the playoffs are going to be better. Well, I think that one thing I'm looking forward to is, is my understanding of the playoff schedule is, is that there's not going to be a lot of traveling. Yeah, it's all in like all three fixed. or four places, yeah. And there's not a lot of days off, which actually I think is good for baseball because it forces teams to have, you know, a plan as opposed to throwing their ace out, you know, two their two aces out every game and, you know, kind of, you know, make the, the, the rest of the team sort of yeah. revolve around that. I so agree. I think that's good. I, I, I've been 
I've been really surprised at how how shaky the Yankees are. Oh, I, I, yeah. I mean, I expected sixty games. I figured they're going to win thirty-seven. Like, there's like they're not even going to work at it. it. They've been terrible. All right. So, did you you had a beef about lasagna? Yeah. Do you want to get into this? Yeah, this absolutely. I mean, yeah, what? absolutely. I mean, let me ask you a question. How often would you say your family cooks lasagna? You know, your 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 mom cooked lasagna for growing th- up. Growing up, yeah, for Thanksgiving or Christmas, right? I mean, how often was it like a side dish that like I pecked out over the course growing of the day? Growing up, it was one hundred percent. Yeah, of course. Both both holidays. There was a Italian. It was, if it wasn't lasagna, it was yeah a big old plate of spaghetti, some ziti, yeah, 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 or ziti, uh, and gotta have the sausage and peppers definitely. Okay, and that's particularly for Christmas. So what do you? So sausage and so, peppers. You mean you just get a pot of sausage and peppers oh, yeah. and leave them, leave them stirring and, on the on the yeah. on the stove the whole and, day? And you got the you got the rolls, and that's your and that's your that's your thing. You're grazing on that. Stuff yeah. Okay. Dinner. So, so yeah, we're having a big brawl in the family about what to have as a as a second thing, right? Um, you know, we try something different every year. One year we had borscht. Yeah, it's because you're Irish. Yeah, I want to. Yeah, I want to try lasagna. So, yeah, well, so, yeah, we're we're me and it's me and my daughter against the rest of us. Well, I can tell you that it wasn't even a. Con- it was this conversation wouldn't even be right. happening in my family. Right. See, so. and what what everybody doesn't understand is is that even if I lose. I'm gonna buy a plate of Stouffer's, a pan of Stouffer's lasagna. I'm gonna cook it anyway. <laughs> and that's gonna you're gonna eat that. I, you know, I'm not just despite everybody. I am the Mitch McConnell of Thanksgiving. I am not gonna get beaten by like a bunch of Senate rules. That's not very gonna good. happen to me. Very good. All right, we're gonna close the show out with a clip of the day. We our plan going forward is to each have a surprise clip, but we chatted beforehand, and we both had the same one, so we decided not to do that this week. So here it is. And perhaps. Most cruelly of all, if Donald Trump has his way, the complications from COVID-19, which are well beyond what they should be. It's estimated that 200 million people have died, probably by the time I finish this talk. (laughs) I really hope you and I make it, because that is, I thought we were in the Avengers Infinity Wars. I thought Theranos got all the stones, and it started eliminating half of the population. It it it's just so sad. It's it nobody wants to see this, right? It's just it's a human being deteriorating right in front of our eyes. It's sad. And this is the election of our lifetimes. Oh, brother. All right. That's that's a wrap. Unregulated episode 4 is in the books. Peace. Hey.